بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So we're still in the middle of our study of Hadith 24, this Hadith Qudsi. And we have said that it is divided into 10 parts. And we have reached part number 5, صح? <coughs> so now continuing with the narration. Allah Jalla wa'ala, He says in this Hadith Qudsi, يَا عِبَادِي إِنَّكُمْ لَنْ تَبْلُغُوا ضُرِّي فَتَضُرُّونِي وَلَنْ تَبْلُغُوا نَفْعِي فَتَنْفَعُونِي Allah he said in this hadith Qudsi O oh my slaves Indeed none of you can, can reach the ability of harming me and thus harm me and you cannot reach the ability of benefiting me and thus benefit me. Regardless of whatever we do, of ta'at, of righteous deeds, of pious acts, Allah the Most High, He isn't the one that is the, the recipient of any benefit from us doing those actions. We pray, we fast, we give in charity. The benefit of us praying, the benefit of us giving in charity, the benefit of us, of us fasting, the benefit of us engaging in any righteous deed doesn't go to Allah. Allah doesn't benefit from it. But rather the recipient of the benefit of that deed the benefit of that righteous deed is you, the one who did the deed in the first place. This narration here, in reality, this statement of Allah, in reality, is telling us that Allah, the Most High, He is perfect, free of any need, free of having anything that needs to be fulfilled, any need that He has, any want, that, any need that He has that, that needs to be fulfilled. He the Most High, He wants us to worship Him, but the, that fulfillment of the order of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala to worship Him goes back to us. We benefit by praying. We benefit by fasting. We benefit by giving in charity. So we are the ones that benefit in the first place. Allah the Most High, whether we worship Him or whether we don't worship Him, He's not going to benefit from it. If we sin against Him, if it's the case that we are disobedient towards Him, if it's the case that we say those things that He hates and He dislikes, He's not going to be harmed by it. But rather the one that is going to be harmed by being disobedient and rebellious to your Creator the Most High is you yourself. As Allah He has said many ayat, as Allah has said, in his book, وَمَنْ يَنْقَلِبْ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ فَلَنْ يَضُرَّ اللَّهَ شَيْئًا Whoever turns upon his heels, 
leaving, leaving the deen. Whoever turns upon his heels, being negligent of the deen. Whoever turns upon his heels, then he's not going to harm Allah even in the slightest. Part number seven. Ya ibadi, law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum wa insakum wa jinnakum kanu ala atqa qalbi rajulin wahidin minkum ma zada dhalika fi mulki shay'a. O my slaves, if the first of you and the last of you, the human of you, and the jinn, another species that has free will like human beings, had the most pious heart of the most pious man among you, had the heart of the most pious man among you, that would not increase my kingdom in anything. Ya ibadi, law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum wa insakum wa jinnakum kanu ala afjali qalbi rajulin wahidin minkum ma naqasa dhalika min mulki shay'a. O my slaves, our Lord is addressing us. O my slaves, if the first of you and the last of you, the human of you and the jinn of you, was the most evil of the most evil man among you that would not decrease my kingdom in anything this statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it again clarifies to us the perfect kingdom of Allah that he is perfect in his Ownership of creation. Allah the Most High is the most perfect in His ownership of creation. Imagine that. Everybody gets together. Everybody gets together and is, becomes the most righteous of people. That does not now increase Allah's kingdom. You increase. The only time when you can increase something is when it's imperfect like this glass of water here I think it's um, 200 milliliters or so let's say it's hundred and there's 180 milliliters of water in here right now it's a 200 and 200 milliliter uh, cup of water uh, cup and it has 180 inside of it this is not uh, there's not Kamal to this cup. There is not perfection to this cup. This cup, it is narcus. It is deficient. It doesn't have kamal to it. It doesn't have perfection and completion to it. It is completed when not even a drop would increase the cup. When it, it, is, it is at its perfect level when it has the last drop that it can hold. That's when it's perfect. So now if every single human being from the time of Adam, from the time of the first man all the way to the time of the last man, if you picture this, every single human that's ever existed, that's one species now, the species of the human being, 
every single human being that has ever existed. And likewise, every jinn that has ever existed had the heart of the most pious one, the most righteous one. What type of heart are we talking about now? What type of heart are we talking about? Are we talking about the heart of a, an abid, a worshipper? Praise in the masjid five times a day. He prays Qiyamul Layl. He fasts every other day. He gives all of his wealth in charity. We're not talking about just a regular person. In this hadith Qudsi, Allah, he says, كَانَ عَلَىٰ أَتْقَ قَلْبِ رَجُلْ وَاحِدْ مِنْكُمْ if everybody had the heart of the most pious man among you, you're going to say something, uh, Ridwan, Ammar. Who, who, who has the most pious heart? Who has the most pious heart? Who has the most righteous heart? Who? Muhammad Al-Karim. He had the most pious heart of any human being that ever lived. So if you picture this, every single human being that has ever existed and shall ever exist, and every jinn that has ever existed and that shall ever exist, if they all had the heart, a righteous heart, so righteous as though it is the heart of Rasulullah that would still not increase the kingdom of the creator of the heavens and the earth, even in the slightest. That is how perfect his kingdom is. And that is how ghani he is. That is how free he is of any needs. Likewise, if those same, that same amount of people, the first of human beings, to the last of human beings, the first of jinn, to the last, if every body, from these two species of human and jinn had the most evil of heart, had the most devilish of heart, that would not result in the kingdom of our maker, our creator, our master, the most high, decreasing and diminishing even in the slightest. This statement of our Lord, it shows to us how perfect he is and how perfect his kingdom is subhanahu wa ta'ala. Part number eight. Ya ibadi, law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum wa insakum wa jinnakum qamu fi sa'idin wahid fasa'aluni fa'a'ataytu kulla wahidin mas'alatah ma naqasa thalika mimma indi illa kama yanqusu al-mikhyat Allah he says in this hadith Qudsi O oh my slaves if the first of you and the last of you the human of you and the jinn of you were to stand together in one open land and then to ask me for something and then I was to give every single one his request that would not decrease what I have no more than a needle decreases 
the sea when it is dipped inside of it. Again, this narration, this statement of Allah in this hadith Qudsi, it indicates the perfect, the perfect ghina of Allah. How Allah the Most High is completely free of any needs. Again, if you think about this, all human beings put forth their request. All jinn put forth their request to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, at the same time, putting forth their various requests. This one is asking for this. This one is asking for that. This one is asking for something different to what others are asking about. Everybody puts forth their request and how varied they are. They put forth their requests in their individual languages. This one makes his plea to Allah in English. This one asks Allah for something in Arabic. This one does it in Swahili. This one does it in Somali. This one does it in Urdu. Everybody does it in their own language. That would, be, that would not be difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hear, let alone give. It would not be difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hear. Subhanalladhi wasi'a sam'uhu al-aswat. How glorified be he whose hearing encompasses all voices. All sounds. Everybody, jinn, human beings, put forth their plea to Allah. Put forth their request to Allah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a thing. Each and every single one of them asking simultaneously at the same time. Each and every single one of them asking things one different to the other. Each and every single one of them asking something in his own personal individual language, his own personal individual dialect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears all of that. His hearing encompasses all of those requests and he gives it to everybody. And when he gives it to everybody, that still would not decrease the kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even in the slightest. This shows how free Allah jalla wa ala is of any need and how muftaqireen we are. How poor we are before our maker. How needy we are before our, our maker. It shows us the state that we are in. An impoverished, needy state, like a beggar before our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Part number nine. Ya ibadi. The last part of the hadith. Ya ibadi, O my slaves. Innama hiya a'malukum uhsiha lakum. ثم أوفيكم إياها فمن وجد خيرا فليحمد الله ومن وجد غير ذلك فلا يلومن إلا نفسه O oh my slaves Indeed it is only your actions that I take you to account for Then I shall I shall uh, uh, reward you in that regard I shall Reward you in that regard. Those that have done good, they'll be rewarded with good. Those that have done evil, they'll be rewarded with, e with evil. They'll be recompensed according to what they did. They'll be requited in accordance to what they did. So whoever does good, then let him praise Allah. 
and whoever finds something besides that, then let him blame none but himself. Meaning, people in this life, they are responsible in fulfilling the commands that the Lord has commanded them with and keeping away from those matters that the Lord has prohibited them from. And guidance has been provided. Guidance has been provided to show to you what is the right path. And likewise, within that guidance, there is a clarification as to what is the wrong path so you don't adopt it. And therefore, the person who finds when he dies, he goes into his grave, is resurrected on the day of judgment, he is brought forth for accounting in front of his Lord. His Lord then shall take him to account for what he did in this life. He is not going to take you to account for your looks. He is not going to take you to account for how intelligent or unintelligent you were. He is not going to take you to account because of your health and how healthy or unhealthy you were. But rather, he's going to take you to account for your actions, for your deeds, for those things that you chose to do. Those actions that occurred from your own free will. So now, the one who stands in front of his Lord in the afterlife, and he's waiting to be judged. If when he is judged, he finds khair, he finds goodness, meaning he finds the pleasure of Allah. He finds that Allah is pleased with him. And he receives his book, not in his left hand. And he receives his book, not behind his back, but rather he receives his book, his book of deeds in his right hand. That type of person who gains admission into everlasting bliss, into paradise. That type of person, if he is in that situation, if, you gonna, if you're going to find yourself to be in that situation, in that you have received the goodly pleasure of your Lord, then you should praise Allah because Allah the Most High facilitated for you to be in a situation whereby guidance to the straight path became easy for you. But the one who finds something different to that, he finds something besides that, he finds something besides the goodly pleasure of Allah, he finds the anger of Allah, he finds the punishment of Allah, and then he should blame nobody but himself because he, because he is the one that chose the path that led him to his destruction. Part number 10 is a summary of the benefits. And those benefits are 13 in number. Number one. And the al-ahadith ma yarwihi al-rasul alayhi salatu wasalam an rabbihi yashtamilu ala dhamair at-takallum tarji'u ila Allah wa yuqalu lahu al-hadith al-qudsi. So al-hadith al-qudsi is the hadith that the Messenger in which the Messenger والسلام, relays speech from Allah the Most High in word, in meaning, and in actual word. That is the meaning of what Allah said, and it is the actual words that Allah said, separate from the Quran. And the Hadith Qudsi, the Hadith Qudsi, the Hadith that is a statement of Allah that the Messenger relays will have within it a pronoun 
a pronoun that relates back to Allah the Most High. It will have a first-person pronoun like I, like me, and pronouns such as that, that are in reference to Allah. Number two, in this hadith we learned that Allah has made oppression forbidden upon him own self. He has forbidden himself to commit oppression. He has forbidden himself to commit oppression. And therefore that means that he has the characteristic of the opposite of oppression, meaning justice. If Allah has negated that he oppresses and he has made it haram upon himself to oppress, then that means that he has the perfect quality of the opposite, which is obviously justice. Number three, Allah has made it haram for us to oppress each other. Allah has made it haram for us to oppress each other and likewise ourselves. To oppress ourselves by transgressing against, uh, transgressing against ourselves by doing sins. And likewise Allah has made it haram for us to transgress against others. Number four, in this hadith, we have learned the severe need that the slaves have in asking Allah. Asking Allah for guidance. Asking Allah for food. Asking Allah for clothing. Asking Allah for all of our other matters, whether they are worldly matters or deeny matters. Number five. Allah loves, Allah loves for his slaves to ask him for anything that they need. The one who reflects upon this hadith, he gets to see that Allah actually loves that you ask him for whatever you need, regardless of how big or small it may be. Nothing is too big for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer. No request is too big for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer. Allah loves it. People, they are different. You ask a friend of yours for something, even though he might be a good friend, the nature of the human being is that he may get, it may get to a point where it's a burden for him. And he finds it a burden that you're asking him for a favor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala total opposite. When you ask him for something, he loves it. Even if it is as small as, Ya Allah, help me in the mending of my sandals. Ya Allah, help me in obtaining my shoelace. Regardless of how insignificant it may seem, it is not too insignificant for you not to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Regardless of how small it is, Allah loves that you ask him. Ya Allah, grant me clothing. Ya Allah, grant me uh, food. Ya Allah, grant me drink. Ya Allah, grant me good health. Ya Allah, grant me good eyesight. Ya Allah, and so on and so forth. Allah loves it when you ask him. Number six. Kamal mulki Allahi azza wa jal. This hadith, it shows the perfect kingdom of Allah. And that we, the slaves, can't harm Allah. And we can't benefit Allah. Rather, anything that we do, the benefit of which, or the harm of which, goes back to ourselves. So this, point number six, this hadith, it teaches us how perfect the kingdom of Allah is. 
and that whatever we do the benefit of those things the benefit of those actions goes back to us whatever we do of any harm of any bad of any, of any evil the harm of it goes back to ourselves number seven this hadith also tells us that no person is free of mistakes no person is free of mistakes and we elaborated upon this in our previous sitting no person is free of mistakes, free of sin, and that upon us is to turn to Allah in repentance and seek His forgiveness whenever we do err or slip. Number eight. This hadith, uh, by reflection over it, we come to see that righteousness, taqwa, piety, righteousness, and likewise fujur, evil doing, they are found in the heart. They occur within the heart. Taqwa, piety, fujur, evil doing. They occur within the heart. They are found within the heart. And then obviously as a result of that, they become manifest upon the tongue and the limbs. But the asal is that they occur within the heart. That's why Allah said in this hadith Qudsi, ala atqa qalbi rajul, ala afjari qalbi rajul. Huh? Upon the most pious heart of the most pious man among you. Upon the most evil heart of the most evil man among you. So Allah Jalla wa in this hadith Qudsi refers to taqwa and fujur being located within the heart. Number nine. Allah's kingdom does not increase by us being obedient to him and neither does it diso neither does it decrease by us being disobedient to him number nine allah's kingdom does not increase by us being obedient to him and neither does it decrease by us being disobedient to him number ten number ten the perfect or how allah is perfect in being free of all needs and the complete kingdom and the perfect kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that if he was to give everybody what they want then that would not decrease the treasures that are with him subhanahu wa ta'ala this hadith shows how perfect the kingdom of Allah is how free he is of any needs and that if he was to give everybody what they want, it would not decrease the treasures that are with him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in the slightest. Number 11. 13 points. Number 11. حَثُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى الطَّاعَةِ وَتَحْذِيرُهُمْ مِنَ الْمَعْصِيَةِ This hadith should encourage us. When we hear this hadith, it should encourage us to do righteous deeds, to do deeds that are uh, and acts of obedience this hadith should encourage us to do acts of obedience and it cautions us against sinning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it cautions against sinning against our Rabb Jalla wa Az number 12 that the one who is granted success in traversing upon the good path he will attain happiness in the dunya and the akhirah 
And that happens by the tawfiq of Allah. A person being blessed to be upon the straight path, the one that's upon the, upon the straight path, he will no doubt benefit by being happy and attaining happiness in this life and the afterlife. And all of that occurs by the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number 13, that the one who is negligent and the one who commits evil, then he will end up attaining unhappiness. He'll end up attaining loss. And he'll have nobody to blame other than himself. He'll have nothing other than regret at the end of it. Tamam. So before we move on to the next part, the next hadith, does anything need to be repeated? Tamam. Next hadith, we'll uh, briefly mention it. And then we'll continue with the uh, explanation of this hadith next week. الحديث الخامس والعشرون عن أبي ذر رضي الله تعالى عنه أيضا أن أناسا من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قالوا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذهب أهل, ذهب أهل الدثور بالأجور This hadith is by أبي ذر رضي الله تعالى عنه الغفاري Just like the previous narration was on his authority as well He said that a group of people came to the Prophet and they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, the wealthy people have gone off with the reward. The wealthy people, they have taken the reward. They have gone off with the reward. Yusalluna kama nusalli, wa yasumuna kama nasum, wa yatasaddaquna bifuduli amwalihim. They pray just as we pray. They fast just as we fast. And they give in charity with their surplus wealth, with their extra wealth. So the Messenger والسلام, he said, the messenger he says has not Allah given you something by which you can give in charity indeed the messenger continues indeed in the tasbih by every tasbih there is a sadaqah yani every tasbih that you make when you say subhanallah <coughs> in every tasbih there is a sadaqah in every Takbir, there is a sadaqah. When you say Allahu Akbar, that is a form of sadaqah. In every tahmidah, whenever you say Alhamdulillah, praise Allah, that's a sadaqah. Every tahleel, when you say La ilaha illallah, sadaqah. Commanding with a good is a sadaqah. Prohibiting an evil is a sadaqah. And in the relations that you have, in every single relation, yani intimate relation that you have, that is a sadaqah. Qalu ya Rasulullah, ayati ahaduna shahwatahu wa yakunu lahu fiha ajar. So they said, being astonished and amazed, O Messenger of Allah, does one of us fulfill his desires? 
and there is reward for him in that qala araaytum law wada'aha fi haram akana alayhi wizr fakadhalika idha wada'aha fi alhalal kana lahu ajr the messenger says do you see that if he was to have placed it placed that desire engaged in that act of intimate relations in haram and if he was to engage in illegal intimate relations would that not be a sin for him obviously the answer is yes if a person engages in illegal intimate relations then that would be a sin then likewise the messenger said if he was to place that yani place that desire engage in that act of intimate relations in a halal way then that would be a form of reward for him narrated by imam muslim this hadith is divided into four parts the fourth part being a summary of the benefits so briefly we mentioned part 1 this hadith it shows how keen the companions were in wanting to know good how does it show that because the companions they said ya rasulullah dhahaba ahlu dhuthur bil ujur oh messenger of allah the wealthy people they have gone off with reward the sahaba they are yani mentioning that they don't have wealth and other people have wealth but what is the thing that they feel that they have missed out on the sahaba when they looked at things they did not look at things with with a nadrah dunyawiyah they, they did not look at things with a worldly perspective they did not look at things with a materialistic outlook they didn't have a materialistic outlook on life rather when they looked at things their outlook on life was connected to the afterlife when they looked at things they saw things in relation to how it's going to benefit them or harm them once they die once they leave this world once they enter into the real life the afterlife so when the sahaba they noticed and they expressed how there were rich people amongst them and that they aren't rich the thing that was of concern to them was that those rich people are doing the same things as us they pray we pray they pray okay so they're going to get rewarded for praying and we're going to get rewarded for praying we're same we're the same so far they fast and we fast okay so they have a an opportunity to earn that reward and we have the same opportunity but now there's something that they have a, pot- a potential to beat us at and that is what sorry charity giving charity we're at the same level so far this at the in terms of the race nobody has the ability to outdo the other person because they fast and we fast and they pray and we pray ah but they've got wealth they've got money we don't have it and therefore they are beating us at the act of giving charity at the noble deed of giving sadaqa and therefore they are getting more reward because of what they have of wealth and we don't have it and we can't help but be in a situation where we're not wealthy that's Allah's decree we can't do anything about it so they're beating us now they're getting more reward now 
and there they therefore can earn a higher station in the afterlife than us now so because the sahaba had a different mindset than me and perhaps you because they looked at things in relation to how it affected them once they're dead from this life left this life gone into the real life the afterlife the life of reward and no more action because the sahaba had a different outlook on life then when they looked at wealthy people they looked at them beating them at something different to us when we look at someone that's wealthy we think oh look he's driving such and such a car ah i wish i had that he lives in such and such an area ah i wish i lived there he's able to get good medicine he's able to pay for good medical care private medical care for himself and his i can't do that that's how we look at people who have wealth or are wealthier than us sahaba they looked at things differently they saw somebody wealthy ah he's able to do things that can get him a better higher station in the afterlife than i can do but then obviously the prophet alayhi salatu wasalam he clarified to them that the situation isn't like that and that sadaqa being charitable is much more broad than giving charity in terms of wealth giving charity in terms of wealth that is the asr that's the first thing that comes to mind when a person thinks of charity being charitable in terms of helping someone or, or donating uh, in terms of material something that has material value money has material value uh, clothes have material value uh, donating food has material value so the first thing that comes to mind when a person thinks of sadaqah is something that has material value but the prophet alayhi salatu wasalam he clarified to us that it is much more broad than that and that by engaging in righteous deeds that itself is a form of charity the detail of which inshallah ta'ala we'll go into next week so conclude at that point wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin